Welcome to Four Dimensions for Teachers, a podcast with Dr. Caroline Blackley, covering topics that surround today's dynamic teaching and learning environments. Ignite your curiosity, engage your passion for discourse, and encourage others to join us in these robust conversations, all to strengthen our community of practice. No need to put your hand up. Just tune in as we laugh, cry, challenge each other, and aim high to continue to be the best teachers we can. School culture is something that I'm very passionate about. And with a lot of my schools that I work with regularly, that I'm in within two to four times a year, often we end up doing a workshop, a full day workshop somewhere where I assist through the data, the evidence to inform schools of where their culture is, and also to look at areas in where improvement can be targeted. Schools very rarely, I believe, step into intentionally creating a toxic school environment or a toxic school culture. What tends to happen is it almost seeps in from under the ground. It almost seeps in from places where we just weren't looking or paying attention because schools are also incredibly busy places and often we're so busy taking care of the minutiae in our daily lives that we forget to stop and look around at the culture in which we're working. Toxic schools or toxic school culture have been used to depict various situations. Basically what it comes down to is that there are qualities that negatively impact the performance, the mental health or the working environment in our school. And what this does is this changes our feel, our desire, our motivation to provide the best we can of ourselves every day in our teaching and learning. The other concern with discussion around toxic school culture or toxic schools is there's a lot of debate around what that means because what it means to one teacher can be very different to what it means to another teacher. What it means to teachers can be quite different to what it means for the leadership team that are within that school. Very much is dependent on the context and the people who are involved. I've worked in schools where one teacher put into a staff room, particularly in high school settings, can shift the entire culture in that staff room, where I've had 10 to 12 other staff come to me throughout the year saying, we either want that person out or how do we move out of this staff room and be relocated into another room. I've worked in schools where I've certainly felt the impact of a leader who micromanages and almost bullies not just myself, but other teachers, and has a very diminished respect from staff based on their leadership style. So how do we define toxic schools? Basically, they're experiences that we have as individuals, but once it becomes a culture within a school, many individuals are feeling the impact of a person or a particular belief within a school or the values. And what we start to see is almost gossipy, kind of conversations in staff rooms or dissatisfaction on a larger scale. As teachers, there are times, well, not just teachers, anyone in the workforce where we feel that we are not valued or that we are not at one with the system or the values that the system is putting upon us. Toxic school cultures, though, are much deeper in that there is a lack of feeling emotionally and professionally safe within the environment. And this will truly have a great impact on your health and the ability of you to do your job. School systems are quite honestly delicate ecosystems where emotions are incredibly contagious and behaviours can easily impact one another. Coonan talked about the ripple effect back in the 70s 
We use it in classrooms around managing student behaviours and managing learning environments, but truly it happens within the adults that are in the room as well. When we have limiting behaviours, when we have attitudes or habits that gradually become endemic and slowly hinder the staff performance, culture of a school is being impacted. So what I want to talk about today is in most settings, there are three key things that are of great importance when we're looking at that school culture. The first is there tends to be a pattern where communication is poor between teacher to teacher, community to teachers, teachers to community, leaders to parents, leaders to teachers. There's often a great gap or people perceive there to be a great gap in communication. Good communication is crucial, not just in any school, but in any relationship. And what it provides is a sense of stability, trust and collegiality. So when communication is missing, it's one of our core areas to look at. In schools with strong levels of communication, the school leadership team are in regular communication with all staff members. Everyone is on the same page. That does not mean we all agree, but we are on the same page. And that communication is not just from leaders to teachers, but from teachers to teachers as well. The second area is fear can permeate the aspects and most aspects of school life. From the Courage to Teach, Parker Palmer said the external structures of education would not have the power to divide us as deeply as they do if they were not rooted in one of the most compelling features of our inner landscape, fear. It's the manipulation of fear and an inability to address these inner fears in any humane way that contributes to the creation of toxic climates in some schools. Everyone's human, and so quite naturally, we all make mistakes. A toxic school culture is one where if we make a mistake, we are afraid that our colleagues will judge us, will sin bin us, will turn on us and gossip with other colleagues, or it will become a conversation that goes to leadership. Or you can tell through the interactions with people that you cannot have a sense of, I took a risk, it didn't work, and we can have a conversation about it. Fear of failure fear of not being good enough. And as teachers, we really take our teaching with pride. So when we feel that others are looking at us as not being good enough, this is a sense where fear establishes. Challenge and not being able to come up with the right answer. And I have seen, I had one boss in particular who would push or challenge, especially at our leadership meetings. And if you didn't have the right answer, would quite happily shame you in front of your peers. Being seen to be wrong, and negative judgment. So fear of all of those certainly impact the culture in which we work. If we don't create safe spaces, and as I said, not just leadership to teachers, but teacher to teacher, if we don't create safe spaces for discourse, then these fears, if they cannot be discussed openly and honestly, cultures begin to develop that only serve to exacerbate feelings of disconnection, mistrust, and isolation. And in any situation where we feel that, we will find like-minded people with whom the similar or same experience has occurred and will pull them in with us. So when we want to counter the harmful effects of working in such an environment, start to turn that on yourself. What is the impact on the way you embrace your role when you respond from a place of fear? Because I know for me, if I'm put in that position, I will shut down, I will retreat, and I certainly feel those places of mistrust I start to remove my communication from others, and that certainly isn't helpful. How can we also equip ourselves to have a voice within situations where we have that fear? But more so, how do you respond to others if they make mistakes? Because what I often find in a culture of fear, 
a culture that is toxic in a school environment is we are almost trained that if you don't do the same, you are the one that will be shunned or pushed to the outer. So in an environment that is toxic or that you believe has that toxic element, how do you support those that in the face of fear, of being shamed, of failing, of not being good enough, that you support teachers as a teacher who take risks? What one small change can you make in your behavior that will allow you to grow and take more risks? The third one, support has a detrimental impact on performance. Consider for a moment, what do you and how do you define support? For me, support is about, and you have to remember my research is on cognitive load and affect. Support for me is about helping colleagues, helping other people to carry their load while I still maintain and am able to carry my load. It is about providing non-judgment. It is about providing assistance to enable any group or individual to make sense of how they can carry the weight of the job we've been asked to do. For such support between individuals to be effective, there must be mutual trust and respect. Hence, toxic work environments, school environments, can undermine the support that we give one another. When an environment in a school is seen to be toxic, These types of relationships you simply won't find. Relationships in such toxic environments are certainly characterized with low trust, high accountability. What that often is, that top-down model, be it from middle management to teachers, from one teacher who's highly experienced to other teachers that are new teachers, from leadership to staff, there will somewhere in that relationship be quite a top-heavy, top-down relationship in existence. If any of this sounds familiar to you, Reflect on the support that you currently receive and ask yourself, what are the hallmarks of support conversations in my current context? How can I bring this in with other people? How do I be the person that can model and be a part of supporting others in what I believe is already a toxic environment? Going down the rabbit hole and only talking about what's not working certainly won't help that. How do you feel after a conversation has taken place in your school? Because if you feel that your decisions are based on fear, if you feel that communication is not there and that impacts on the way that you can feel after a conversation, one of the first places we can start is how do we then make others feel when they have conversations with us? When we have conversations, this is not about having all positive Pollyanna conversations either because robust conversations are where change occurs. Toxicity, harmful ways of being in a relationship with one another, will only arise where there is a lack of awareness to embrace and work positively with the diversity of everyone around us. So today's podcast wasn't so much to give you the answers, but to make you reflect and think, do I assess my current work culture to be one of a toxic nature? And if I do, how do I, because we can always be responsible for our behavior, much more difficult for others, how can I shuffle, shift, or have this huge response and move the ripple effect in our school, my staff room, my learning environment, that I am the person that models and makes sure that I have good communication skills, that I am the person that does not provide interactions with people that they have a fear of how they can respond, how they can take risks, how they can be themselves in their learning environment themselves. And the last one, most definitely, how do I provide support And what do my conversations feel like when you are on the receiving end? I hope that some little notes out of this have resonated with you. 
And I'm not saying that there are not school cultures that are toxic to the point that teachers, as soon as they have removed themselves from that culture, don't feel a whole weight lifted from their shoulders. What I wanted to engage you with today is think through those three nice, easy things, communication, fear, and how we support one another. How do I feel within those three areas, those characteristics in my school environment? And how do I impact on others based on those three characteristics? Have a great day. Look forward to catching you on our next podcast. Thanks for listening. That's a wrap for this episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review and visit carolineblackley.com and join our growing community of international educators.